Hello everybody, uh, I'm Kia Ora. Today we will talk about the review of the Guide to Traffic Management and the recommendations for the development um, of a new Austroads Guide to Transport Operations and Management that will replace the current guide um, over the coming years. We have more than 500 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with the project manager and one of the presenters, Andrew Somers. Andrew will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Transport Network Operations Program, which is managed by Richard Del Place. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. Our presenters will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session uh, for 15 minutes. The report and the slides today's presentation is based on can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. There's also a question section there, so please use it to send us your questions for the Q&A at any stage during the webinar. If your question relates to any particular slide, just include the um, number of that slide in your message to help Help us answer your question as best as we can. You can also use that same question section to let us know if you have any technical problems. But a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, uh, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session via your uh, email registration link usually helps. Um, this session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can find Austroads in your podcast app. So we have six presenters today, uh, Project Manager Andrew Somers from Transoptim, WSP Consultants uh, Simon Latham and Adam Law, Austroads Transport Network Operations Program Manager Richard Del Place, um, Austroads members um, Andrew Wall, uh, Director Integrated Transport Practice from the Department of Transport Victoria, and Craig Moraine, uh, Transport for New South Wales uh, Executive Director, Customer Journey Management. We will first hear from Andrew Somers, who will introduce the project and the team. Simon Latham and Adam Law will cover project drivers' key findings and directions. Then we will hear some insights from uh, transport agency leaders Craig Moraine and Andrew Wall, following by Richard Del Place, who will conclude the presentation talking um, about the implementation steps to transition from the current to the new guide. And at the end of the session, the presenters will address the questions from the audience. So welcome to our presenters and over to you, Andrew. Thank you. So we thought it was useful to start today by recapping all the way back to the inception of this project and the need that we're seeking to address. So the AGTM, the Austroads Guide to Traffic Management, has been a heavily used guide, a core product of Austroads. Um, and important to the members and the broader industry. 
A strategic review of the AGTM was undertaken fairly recently in 2016-17. In that, re that review effectively requested and then delivered an incremental update. And that incremental update has been largely implemented. But after that incremental update, key stakeholders were left wanting something more. And, and the big reason for wanting something more is the Transport Network Operations Program, the area covered by it's been strongly affected by changes in the context in which the AGTM or this new AGTOM exists. So there's a broader set of desired outcomes and also users for the guides. And now this is exemplified by movement in place, but that's only one example of the change. There's evolving agency strategies and activities, and that's often in response to that broader set of desired objectives and emerging transport options and technology. And we often hear about how transform transformative change lies ahead, but even in the present, we've seen some early indications, be they small ones, such as scooter parking on footpaths, curb space demand for ride and delivery services. So the environment in which this guide exists and the need it needs to serve has evolved. And so in establishing this project, we asked the study team to explore a substantial change. We set out, we as in Austroads and it's on behalf of its members set out the strategic context. And then we asked the consultant to identify, given that context, what is this bigger change to serve the needs of Austroads and its members through over the next decade? Uh, because this is a project that touches right across the Transport Network Operations Program, the involvement of the working group was even more important than on normal Austroads projects um, and fairly strong representation from the task force within that working group. Uh, so the Austroads Program Manager, you'll hear from Richard Duplass later. Uh, I've been um, privileged to be the project manager on behalf of Austroads, Simon Latham leading the, um, the consultant team. And then the WSP Stantec project team, uh, Scott Benjamin, Adam Law will present today. Will Fuchs will be available to answer your questions during the, um, the Q&A session, Tom Kennedy and Mary Haviland. Um, but with that, I will hand over to Simon. Thank you, Andrew. So I'm just gonna talk through some of the project drivers and uh, the approach to the project. So the AGTM um, alongside the Guide to Road Design the Guide to Smart Motorways um, forms a suite of practice to service the needs of practitioners spanning safety, infrastructure design and traffic managers, uh, traffic management. Uh, these guides are also available online. So over time, uh, changes to the guides and additions uh, and the addition of new guides have introduced some overlap and repetition, uh, which has introduced challenges of consistency and also user access. Um, recently, or relatively recently, the Oswego strategic plan uh, was implemented and that sets the agenda for providing guides that address the emerging trends and expectations of clients and customers and most importantly covers all users. So a key part of this strategic review uh, is about better defining the scope and the extent of the future AGTM within the context of the other guides, um, try and resolve some of the overlap and to provide some sort of stronger alignment with the outcomes and the objectives of the 2020 to 2024 strategic plan. Uh, secondly, I guess um, another key driver is just how the landscape for traffic management has changed, has evolved. So uh, initially um, the guide and the focus of transport practitioners is really um, the road asset, curb line to curb line, um, vehicular traffic, traffic signals, 
Over time, there's been acknowledgement of the roads form part of connected networks, um, acknowledging temporary traffic management and trying to bring in practice related to that. And then from there, um, integrating uh, the needs uh, and expectations of practice related to pedestrians and cyclists, but that's mainly been initially focused on resolving and managing conflict between those modes. Um, but then over time, we've seen you know, the advent of places, land uses, creating further um, needs and drivers uh, for the transport system. Um, obviously, the transport, the road network forms part of a connected uh, multimodal transport system. Um, rail and bus are intricate parts of that system as well, and there's a need to integrate and manage uh, those customers and those modes as well. Um, and the, the land use beyond just being a sort of trip generator or an attractor, they've created places uh, along our transport networks that need to be managed. And those places might have dominant needs in terms of the transport or the, uh, the local function of that road or system. Um, when we look at pedestrians, they're no longer pedestrians as a mode, a singular mode. It, it's more of a collection of different customers with a di diverse range of needs. And it's about trying to reflect that in practice as well. So that's a key challenge. And then also micromobility and the potential disruptive impacts of micromobility and also the, you know, the, the, the way that it can enable new mobility and better end-to-end -end travel times. Um, and really that shift from looking at the link and the connection and the asset to, to, to trying to consider the end-to-end -end travel time and the mobility services available. So the, the landscape's changed quite significantly. Um, and although the guy's been updated incrementally, there's an acknowledgement that there might need to be more of a wholesale structural change to be able to deliver uh, and integrate some of these broader practices uh, and particularly the multimodality, particularly talking to higher order types of outcomes. Um, so in acknowledgement, um, in part, the way the guide has been developed um, has been part of the, the barrier, the obstacle that we're trying to overcome. And there's an acknowledgement by Osros that there may need to be um, uh, a more significant structural change to embrace change to deliver a better guide for the future. Um, another key consideration or driver, and I guess it's the the acknowledgement that the car continues to, to dominate um, dominate demand on our roads at least. Um, but as a transport prof profession, uh, we aim to deliver a system that meets the needs of everybody. Um, so there's a tension between the history of the guide and how our transport system functions and the current expectations and challenges faced by many professionals in planning, planning delivering and operating more of an integrated uh, multimodal network. So we aspire to a more multimodal network, uh, a sustainable transport system. How to, however, day-to-day -day operations are often focused on the most dominant modes, which is still the car. And I guess this talks to the key challenge related to the guide about the need to maintain existing relevant content that services tr traditional users, which are familiar with the guide, whilst at the same time providing and presenting new content in a format that is accessible and relevant to a broader set of non-traditional users. Um, so that's a little bit on the, um, the background, some of the key drivers. In terms of our approach, it, it follows a similar um, 
similar Osroads sort of research study-based approach. Well, the, the phase one and phase five does. So there was an initial upfront inception and planning phase where we really focused on understanding the different stakeholders, the different practitioners that we wanted to, to engage, how we were going to do that. And then the back end is really focused on um, developing that public facing document and report. Um, the middle was a little bit different, um, phases two to four, and we sort of adopted, which was very exciting at the time, this di double diamond design process, which seemed very new and exciting, but having looked back on it, it seems quite logical, and now it's sort of commonplace, but um, just for an overview of that, um, initially, um, it was about understanding the different elements of the problem uh, and or some of the opportunities, and we, we really um, cast a, quite a broad net to go out and engage practitioners across industry to get their views on the guide, but also practice and how it's developing and what might be needed in terms of practice and um, additional guidance to support micro-mobility and all those modes. Um, and also we undertook a sort of a deep dive into the different practice areas such as um, mobility as a service, electric vehicles, um, all, all things like that and had a look at how they might change, influence our transport systems and the needs of users into the future. Uh, we then brought that back. Um, so we defined a set of rules and objectives to help focus the problem and parameterize the solution and that involved engagement with subject matter experts and the, the NTF. And then after that, it was really about exploring potential solutions uh, with a sort of solution envelope to develop this guide product product or concept, and I'll talk to that in a moment. Um, and then Richard will talk to at the end of this presentation. It was it was how we operate operationalize that con, uh, concept. What mechanisms do we need to help realize the guide? I'm just going to pass across to Adam now to talk through um, some of our approach, and then he'll hand back to me to talk through some of the concepts. So thanks, Adam. Yeah, thanks, Simon. So our approach to the problem definition and the solution development for this study was to undertake extensive engagement across a wide range of users and also through multiple formats. So we were quite conscious for this study to be a wide engagement in understanding the problems and the solutions. Everyone in the study team is users of the guide currently and also part of the industry, but the study isn't just responding to the study team or even the Osroads NTF um, for the project, but it's also responding to those broader industries um, and adjacent disciplines and future users uh, into 2030. So this wide engagement enabled us to develop user stories, which we could then test initiatives and test solutions against common user needs rather than reliance solely on um, subjective experience. So some of the key features this engagement included undertaking eight issues and themes workshops with Austro's member agencies, industry and academia to explore the current and emerging practice areas and also explore industry challenges and their future needs. We also undertook alongside that an industry survey to understand how people interact with the current guide, um, what content is valuable and also what are the gaps. So this survey was done online through industry channels and it generated quantitative data which we could use to um, assess how the existing guide was being used alongside that qualitative data of um, people's experiences and text responses. We undertook technical interviews with industry. So this was more of a scientific examination of technical subjects such as micro-ability, mobility as a service, machine learning, those sorts of subjects. All in all, we had 33 topics that were explored um, to understand how they could be reflected by the guide or impact the guide into the future. 
We then undertook three co-design workshops with guide custodians and industry experts uh, to explore the solutions that were being developed. And this is where those user stories, uh, common problems were tested through there to understand how these changes would improve or um, disadvantage uh, user interactions with the guide. And finally, we undertook validation workshops with industry to communicate these changes and to agree on the directions. Uh, next slide, please, Simon. So what we heard, um, a summary of all of the uh, responses from the engagement is that uh, the guide is considered a useful resource for some and generally has a lot of answers to the problems that practitioners are looking for. However, there is a desire for further alignment to, of the guide to best practice. It remains focused on movement and efficiency uh, and there's a need to enable a wider range of outcomes in order to stay relevant. Um, and this is due to the change in transport practice that Simon outlined earlier. Practitioners are seeking things to help them make decisions and understand trade-offs. So these are by way of case studies, evidence, tools, and examples. Um, and there's also a need to link guidance to other parts of practice and related industries. There are some practical challenges to using and accessing the guide. It's difficult to navigate, and we heard from some less regular users that they have trouble finding what they need amongst a sea of information. Uh, we also heard that it's difficult or understanding it's difficult for the guide to keep pace with industry. Um, things such as micromobility, movement in place, and the need for OSROADS to reflect harmonised guidance across all agencies. We heard that there's some technical gaps in content, for example, movement in place, which was mentioned by Andrew earlier. Next slide, please, Simon. So through this initial problem definition and understanding stage, we developed a set of strategic directions which would come from that engagement and can be used to evaluate the proposed changes. So that's um, using that double diamond approach that Simon outlined earlier. These strategic directions were the clear and obvious improvements to the guide um, and it provides an overview of all objectives for user experience. So I'll just sort of summarize the strategic directions that are shown on screen now. So for form and function, the guide needs in the future needs to respond to the way that the users interact with the guide, but also how the guide is updated by OSROADS and how new content can be added in a timely manner. For role and coverage, the guide needs to have a broad overarching structure, uh, but the elements within the structure need to be flexible to change. Um, and this being flexible to change means that short-term guidance can be provided. For example, responses and changes to travel pat patterns arriving from um, COVID. For content, there is a need for focus on a broad range of users and outcomes whilst maintaining the core content that is in the guide. Uh, so further development of content would respond to the needs and experiences of practitioners and enable them to make decisions. Next slide, please, Simon. So it's clear from when using the current guide that there's a vast amount of technical knowledge which is relied upon by practitioners. These technical areas will also change into the future as these practices continue to mature um, and evolve. So in order to streamline the review of technical content, the technical disciplines were grouped under five categories, uh, which is shown on screen. These categories do not strictly represent how the guide would be presented, but instead used to identify trends in the way that these um, technical elements would change into the future and how the guide would need to change. So, um, with these key directions that are on the screen, I'll just provide some examples about each of them, how they're gonna move forward. So for customers and demand, there's a clear need to link strategic influences to and human-centered design. For example, 
understanding how street, streets can be used to improve health outcomes. For new mobility, there is an arrival of disruptive modes in transport, and there's a lot of research out there, um, but it is in disparate studies at the moment. So there's a need to link this more cohesively together, and then to understand the principles, risks, and functions, and the commonalities between um, each of these disruptive modes. So an example would be the different characteristics of how you design for e-bikes versus e uh, regular bikes and regular cyclists. Um, for real-time operations, there's a need to link that real-time operations to strategic needs and to be able to engage data providers. So for example, using um, structures for data management and how you would house, for example, uh, real-time data. For network operations planning, uh, NOPS, of roads and corridors, there is a need for broader tools which would enable multimodal assessment. Um, such as the assessment around cyclists and pedestrian movements. And then finally, for network operations plannings of centres and streets, there's a need for guidance when navigating the conflict between competing modes that happens at strategic and local levels. Uh, for example, such as straight freight needs versus place needs and how they're balanced and um, evaluated at both a strategic and local context. So with that being an overview of the engagement approach and the strategic and technical directions um, for the changes to, to guide, I'll hand back to Simon who will outline some of the key changes that are recommended by the study. Thank you, Adam, that was awesome. Um, so like Adam mentioned there, so we, we settled in on a, a number of strategic directions and technical directions and they were really used to help develop, identify, potential guide products and what I'm going to talk through now is some of the key concepts that make up the, um, the preferred guide product that we're recommending or Osroads are recommending to take forward. Uh, so the first key recommendation which, was, which wasn't actually the first in terms of its order but it is the call list and a, a shout out to, um, well it depends what you think is cool but I think it's cool, um, shout out to Will Fuchs here who um, contributed massively to this concept. Uh, is for the guide to be structured in an ecosystem of connected modules and I'll talk through what that means because it's a little bit complicated. Um, so this is a step change from the current linear form um, and the ecosystem concept addresses strategic object objectives related to form and function that Adam mentioned there and supports most importantly better user, user access and experience. Uh, so a similar information structure um, is used by Wikipedia, uh, whereby the product utilizes natural linkages between content. Um, so some of the key features of the ecosystem concept include um, information being self-contained in modules with good linkages and paths uh, to other relevant material and guidance, including links to external sources. So this diagram here, each of these blobs or dots is a module and uh, the dashed lines there are the linkages between modules and content. Um, maintenance is through the update of discrete modules uh, rather than individual guide parts. And this allows content to be added, removed, updated more quickly, quickly as industry changes uh, as part of modular concept uh, content updates. So a key issue was the lag in terms of the guide, keeping up with what's happening in industry. These modular updates or the modules themselves will allow updates to be um, completed more quickly. Um, the structure itself is responsive to what practitioners need in terms of practice areas and content, uh, e.g. providing selection tools. Uh, and it provides a variety of entry points for different 
users. So you can engage a topic no matter what your background is, problem that you're trying to resolve or level of understanding. So you can dive into a particular module based on your, your understanding and that will help you plot a path um, through, through the practice or, or the problem that you're trying to solve um, to get to the information that you need. Uh, and the ecosystem provides an improved experience for expected features uh, and ability to reference search, et cetera, and to augment, augment content based on the user needs. So over time, through monitoring how people interact with the ecosystem, um, Osrose will get a better understanding of the search paths, and then they can prioritise more effectively to take users more naturally to, to the information that they need. So the uh, second key concept um, is uh, related to the uh, just I'll oh, just expanding sorry on the ecosystem concept because uh, we haven't really gone through it um, is related to how the how the modules are organised. So there's broadly three types of content uh, in consideration of user experience and integration needs of the modules. Um, so the mo the module arrangement will be visible to a user if they're interacting with, um, the module arrangement will be visible to a user if they're interacting with the whole index of the guide, um, but the majority of the time users will be accessing things that are specifically relevant to them. Um, so again, a shout out to Mary Haviland here. I think Mary, uh, it was Mary's um, thoughts that shaped the internal structure of the ecosystem. So. Um, uh, they're essentially um, categorised content or modules are categorised under strategic influences, um, which includes outcomes and outcome frameworks. So outcomes might include health, reliability, resilience, and outcome frameworks might include movement and place. And they're sort of higher order frameworks um, that either help you to set the objectives for your transport system or road asset. Uh, and identify the priorities. And then the outcomes are really um, would outline, you know, what, what does it, how would you deliver a healthier transport system? Or what does it mean? What are the principles behind that? So really talking to some of those higher le level drivers behind those sort of outcomes. Um, the, and it really outlines the why, the strategic influences and the, the outcome frameworks. We then move on to the, the how, which includes a lot of the sort of methodology related um, frameworks. So we've, we've categorized them as either solution frameworks or planning frameworks. So uh, solution frameworks might include uh, traditional route planning uh, for cyclists, for, for, for pedestrians uh, or for, for motorways, streets, curbside management. And examples of planning frameworks might include the, the traditional network operation planning framework. And then the third tier, uh, which includes a lot of the detail, is really related to the elements, technical guidance, and the specific frameworks, which really covers the what. Uh, and this would include things like treatments, traffic management systems, uh, parameters, things like that. And the examples might include, you know, priority controlled intersections and treatment selections such as roundabouts or cycleways, things like that. Um, so within each of the modules, uh, each of the modules um, houses a range of content uh, or a combination of content uh, which will be provided to suit the module needs. And some of this content might include uh, case studies and evidence bases, which was a key feedback that we got from industry. There's not enough of that. They want to see more of that in, in the guide. Uh, considerations and applications, um, decision-making tools um, such as the on-road 
um, public transport priority tool, um, those sort of things will be included in there to help practitioners come to decisions, come to outcomes, come to outputs, and then te technical parameters as well. So that would cover sort of modeling and assessment, those sort of things. So there's a range of content that sits within the modules. Um, so there's a similarity in structure across pages, but flexibility in content within each module. And the modules will still be underpinned by Osroads research programs uh, and maintained by Osroads. Uh, and it's also importantly, um, PDF timestamped extracts will still be available uh, online um, to support more, some more of those sort of legislative um, elements or the role that the guide plays as well. So just, um, just an overview of the structure there. So um, that's how it's sort of broken down um, in a sort of simplistic version. Um, as a user, if you were interested in developing an ITS management system, uh, you could click on that module and then that would provide linkages to, to supporting elements that sit within the relevant and technical guidance areas such as data management systems, traffic management devices. So you're really able to control your experience based on the nature of the problem you're trying to solve or what you're interested in. And there'll also be linkages upstream as well. So one of the, one of the questions was, we don't want somebody to dive in and grab the information they need uh, in separation to the, the rest of the things they should be doing as a good practitioner. So it will provide those natural linkages back and across uh, so that you're, you're aware of all the elements of um, the particular topic that you're trying to research. Um, but the second key change, which was actually the first, um, uh, it relates to the role and coverage of the guide. Um, so a better def definition of the guide and the practice area was required to determine what and how the guide should cover relevant practice. Um, so the role of the new guide is to enable transport professionals involved in managing and operating the road network to deliver improved outcomes for customers, including accessibility, safety, mobility, and sustainability. And that links back to the strategic plan that we've talked about earlier and also acknowledges the broader users that will potentially be using the guide. So guide will have a technical focus uh, on road-based transport network operations and real-time operations with defined boundaries, linkages and interactions within adjacent practice. Um, there's, there's a greater acknowledgement that the guide has a role to play in both supporting and managing both short and also long-term change. So, I mean there was a view that or a perspective that it was about short immediate type changes, but it also has a role in that long-term change and facilitating it, particularly around the areas of technology um, and technology traffic management systems. Um, and that's with the purpose of enabling a broader set of outcomes beyond the traditional outcomes of movement, efficiency and road safety. And I know the guide has broadened to acknowledge the other outcomes it's trying to achieve, but I mean, um, it's really making things like sustainability, um, health, more central as an outcome. You can get to that outcome through the guide content. It's easier to provide that sort of outcome. Um, so the graphic there just articulates uh, the scope and contents um, of the new guide uh, within, within the infrastructure type and the infrastructure project lifecycle. Um, and the role really varies between the different infrastructure types. So the, the guide's more central to the adaptation, enhancement and management of the road asset. And it also has a more central role to play um, in the life cycle 
uh, of traffic management systems and data management and traffic analysis and modeling to support various outcomes. Um, so an example here might be, so this graphic shows um, the scope of the, the, the future guide and it also shows the sort of remit of the, the supporting guides as well. Um, so importantly, the guide has a role to play in appraisal. So it's not it's not competing with ATAP, nothing like that, but it will help practitioners to build their own evidence bases and to divide, define potential options around particular treatments, and which is very important. You don't necessarily have to do a full business case if you want to change something on your road network, but it will help you establish an evidence base to, to enable that change. Uh, it also has a role to play in design. So if we take a new tunnel, for example, the guide won't be used to, to identify the location, the alignment, the ge geometric design of the tunnel, um, but it will be will we'll help practitioners to define the supporting traffic management systems, um, to understand what sort of operational arrangements might need to be in place to support the day-to-day -day management of the, the tunnel. Um, and it would also be um, useful in helping um, practitioners undertake traffic, traffic analyses and operational analyses for traffic using the tunnel, those sort of things. And then the final, um, which is probably what most people are interested in is how, how, the, how the content might change in, in the future. So the scope depth for content will maintain existing content which is relevant and valuable, integrated with, it, with emerging practice and expanded to provide stronger emphasis on customers in the context of transport network operations. Um, so practice was reviewed within the context of the scope of the guide, so that, that graphic that I just showed on the previous slide, um, and then it was determined whether content would be maintained or moved elsewhere. Nothing's ever lost, but it could be moved to another another guide. Uh, repurposed um, to make it more accessible, more user-friendly, uh, user um, or expanded, um, so elaborated on, so that route planning um, is, is more effective for, for freight and also pedestrians as well, in addition to, to, to general traffic. Um, and then there was obviously a, a key focus on what new content needed to be added as well to respond to some of the emerging practice areas. Um, so the modules here um, are proposed, uh, are outlined on the screen and they're also documented within our research report. There's an acknowledgement that these will evolve over time, but this is just really the basis of the module and the ecosystem structure. Um, and in addition to the modules shown on a screen, there's expected to be a large number of technical guidance modules which provide specific information for detailed elements uh, and re research will continue to help um, enhance understanding around those elements. Uh, so how will the guide, guide change? So I mean, um, a lot of the most valuable things are maintained. Um, so I'll just pick on a few things here in terms of route planning. Uh, that's maintained within the guide related to motorways, arterials, um, but it might be expanded to provide um, better coverage of streets. Um, there's also an acknowledgement um, that, that that particular guidance to, can be expanded to cover pedestrians and cyclists as well, a bit more comprehensively as well as freight. Um, there's a lot of strong content in the guide around traffic theory, um, but sometimes that's challenging to access and it's a bit overwhelming for the users. So that will be repurposed to make it more useful and user friendly. Um, but then there's also a limited, um, limited practice covering the analysis of pedestrians and cyclists. Um, so there's, a, there's an aspiration to bring more of that into the guide as well to support that multimodal focus. 
Um, and just some of the other modules here, um, there's there's a recognition of systems engineering and, and the role of that within um, many of the practitioners work, work within transport network operational space. Uh, performance and assessment, taking greater potential ownership of our operational modelling and, and traffic impact assessment or building on the traffic impact assessment components that were in the previous guide. Um, and then um, things like interchange and fleet planning, fleet planning. So really acknowledging that interchanges form part of the the road asset and are part of a connected network. So there's a lot there, too much to talk through, um, but they're some of the key key um, components of the um, the future guide product. The future guide uh, will be renamed as the Osroads Guide to Transport Operations and Management. Uh, so that's moving away from the AGTM naming convention previously. We wanted to make the G sort of silent, so it could be called Atom, which would have been very cool because that sort of aligns with the ecosystem as well, but we, we have to maintain the G, so the future guide's gonna be called Agtom. Uh, and so just a reminder, if you've got any questions, um, please type your questions into the question box uh, on the webinar uh, interface, and we'll get to those as part of the QA at the end of the session. And now I'm just gonna hand across uh, to Andrew Wall and Craig Moran to talk about some of the insights from transport agency leaders. Okay, thanks, Simon. Um, yeah, from a Victorian perspective, I just really wanted to touch on on three areas that sort of I see as the key drivers for changing the guide. The first is the role of agencies. The second is the audience for the current guide, and the third is the relationship of the guide to design and implementation. So on the role of agencies, there's no doubt in, in the last few years, road agencies are evolving and changing. There are very few road authorities left. Uh, we're now pretty well evolved into, into transport organisations and even the more recent change is actually bringing in land use expertise into those organisations. As a result of that, there's a much broader set of objectives and outcomes that we are being expected to deliver. And in some respects, it brings us as agencies much closer to the remit of councils, but at a state or regional level. The audience has changed um, because of those organisational changes. The set of professionals in agencies is much wider. Uh, it's not just engineers, there's a broad range of professionals. And those professionals are making decisions which take into account those broader outcomes. It has been said that there's a perception that the guide is very car-centric. As a result, uh, a lot of those other professionals turn to other guides, either international or best practice, to inform their decisions. And in many cases, those guides are seen to be in conflict with what Austroads is saying. I don't actually think that's actually the case, but perception quickly becomes reality. Uh, the guide contains a huge amount of content and, and maybe too much. Um, if you know how to navigate it, you can make great integrated transport decisions. Um, if you don't, it's a bit challenging. There's certainly a need for it to be better organised. Uh, it needs to also be more accessible to that wider range of professionals. And, and talk a language that can bridge that link between engineering and planning. In terms of the relationship to design, for me, this is one of the primary purposes of, of the guide, 
to be able to set the context for, for designers. We need to be able to allow designers to make decisions that they may otherwise not feel empowered to do. The guide to road design you know, will generally allow a designer to achieve the best result, but what's often missing is some really clear guidance around context. And without that context, design tends to err on the conservative side. Uh, we certainly need to strengthen the role of the guide in setting this context for, for designers and, and operators. And if we get this right, this will enable us to build and operate transport networks that will respond to local transport land use objectives and also achieve the broader outcomes we want for our communities. I'll now just pass that across to Craig for a New South Wales perspective. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, and good afternoon, everybody. Um, from a New South Wales perspective, and I think a lot of this has been touched on, there is a move away from just focusing on the management of networks to the management of journeys, those end-to-end -end journeys that <clears throat> people are seeking to perform uh, across our various um, integrated transport systems. So this is a move, as Andrew said, that you know we're moving from just roads to multimodal transport. We're contemplating things like movement in place. You know, roads have become transport agencies. And this is really about the guide being contemporary for where industry is going, where, where state agencies are going, where local government's going, where, where our partners in industry are going. It's really about focusing on those journey outcomes that we're trying to achieve. And how does the guide help us achieve that? It's still incredibly important to have a guide to deal with individual issues, but it's becoming more important now as how can the guide empower us, as Andrew said, to make those decisions relevant to journeys. The final thing I'll say too is that the ecosystem in which we all operate is becoming much more diverse or federated, uh, if you like. We've got various parties, be it government, government state government agencies, local government, uh, stewards who look after parts of the network on our behalf, private industry and developers, all who are trying to achieve the same thing collectively, but are looking for that guidance as how can we come to a solution that those other stakeholders will be aligned with? So we're all reading out of the same book and making the same decisions moving forward. So like I said, this is very much about the guide moving forward to be a contemporary reference point uh, for all of industry uh, who have a role to, to play in managing the journeys, not only of today, but of tomorrow. That's probably enough from a jurisdictional perspective. Um, and then I'll now hand over to Richard to talk about the transition ahead. Thank you, Andrew and Craig. Uh, Ekaterina, would you mind just confirming? You yes, can see, see all my good, screen Richard. Properly? Oh, great. Oh. Uh, and I'm on the right side. Sorry, I moved on a bit. Yep, here we go. Um, Thank you all for uh, your inputs into this presentation. And uh, again, look forward to uh, answering a few Q and A's in a few minutes. Uh, obviously, we've heard we've heard from uh, our quite prestigious audience here um, the the reason for the change. Why do we need to change the the Oslo's guide to traffic management? And we've heard uh, what what the change. Uh, needs to be through, through the, the work that the, the project team has done in, in consulting and analyzing a, a range of, of, of topics. Um, now I've got the, the, the challenging task uh, as Oz Roads to, uh, to explain a little bit what next steps we take 
uh, to actually make that change happen. Uh, and, and it is uh, undoubtedly uh, a, a multi-year journey uh, for us uh, at those roads to, to deliver on this vision, uh, but, but a plan that has been uh, very well set up through, through this strategic review. So what, what we've heard from, from, from the project team uh, just earlier is some of the core things is we know we need a web-based knowledge uh, management platform uh, that enables the, the ecosystem concept, the, the management of that knowledge in a, in a dynamic way. We know that there's a number of changes we've analyzed, but there's more changes to come. Um, this, they, they won't be... Uh, that's not the end or the, the changes to come. There's, there's always more to come. Uh, so that's one, 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 one thing we know from this review is we need to move away from um, the, the PDF uh, format uh, that, is, that is quite uh, rigid at the moment. I'm not saying that we wouldn't have PDFs uh, available through the, the new guide, but we need to have that web-based knowledge management uh, platform in the background to support the development of the future guide. So that's a core thing and a core action to undertake. Um, we know that beyond that, we also need to look at those roads at, at, at changing and adapting the way uh, we we approve and review the content at the moment. As most of you will know in the audience, uh, uh, new content gets developed through projects, gets reviewed by project working group, by task forces like the network task force, uh, and then get approved by the those roads uh, senior management and the board before being published. It's quite a, a, a structured process which ensures quality of the delivery as we know and is well proven through the, the years it's been used but in that concept of the ecosystem we're going to need to find a, a more dynamic way uh, to manage uh, the, this content still with the same level of robustness and quality but in a bit more dynamic uh, way. Uh, beyond that we know uh, that there's a strong challenge where a number of guides are interlinked and especially for example the guide to traffic management is very much linked to the guide to road design touches on the guide to road safety and probably others um, so when you start changing one of those guides how do you impact the others that's another complexity we need to uh, to consider into the mix uh, and beyond that, uh, there's a bit of a competing priority. We need to develop the new guide, new content to a certain level before we launch it. Um, and, and at the same time, we need to make sure we don't want to uh, necessarily rush. We need to have the right content so that the first user's experience uh, is positive and encourage, uh, uh, provides the momentum that we need to continue developing the guide going forward. Um, so, so, so quite a number of challenges. We we know this is a multi-year journey for those roads and the network task force, but nevertheless, as we've heard, it is a paramount change, uh, paramount to the relevance of those roads guidance going forward and also for the opportunity for those roads to truly support its member agencies in the challenges and transformations that they face. Um, so this is uh, the staged implementation approach presented here that is uh, that has come from the strategic review uh, and that is recommended as the best way to manage uh, the competing priorities. Uh, Oz Roads may need to adapt its approach, as I said, based on the complexities that I've uh, explained earlier uh, over time, but the principles and the intent remain, uh, remain valid as per what we've seen. Uh, it is expected that there will be a progressive delivery of the next three years uh, or so, uh, where the current AGTM will be maintained on critical matters, so that means we'll update as content of the current guide uh, on critical 
critical subjects when there is a paramount change that is required there. Um, research will be delivered as per traditional OSROAD projects um, and delivering traditional outputs like research reports. Uh, and we'll see the new guide being developed in parallel in a new format. Uh, until such time, OSROAD and its member agencies are ready to formally retire the uh, current guide to traffic management and then focus solely on the new guide development and its maintenance. Uh, a very key part of, of this is the, what we call the readiness project and uh, the development of that website architecture. So you kind of need the tool to to develop and host and maintain the knowledge the, the knowledge we develop for the new guide before we start developing too much uh, of that content. So obviously that is a key part. This is something that um, uh, will be uh, taking place, will be uh, is kicking off at the moment within OSROAD. Some work expected to occur uh, in, in 2022 led by uh, our communications team so that we can not only look at the, the, the way we manage the knowledge of the OSROADS Guide to Traffic Management, but also all the guides, as I said, because of the, the interdependencies that we, we have there. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and we will be looking to redesign and complement the existing OSROADS website and looking more broadly at, at what the OSROADS audience is looking for. Beyond that, uh, we've got a, a number of uh, projects uh, on, on the go, very much into the real-time operation space. Um, hopefully, some of you may be familiar with those. These are these are projects that have uh, uh, just been awarded or recently been awarded over the last few months. These are very much delivering uh, practical guidelines uh, that will be more easily integrated down the track into the future guide format. Um, so I uh, won't go into the, the detail there, but you can see it's very much about real-time operations of the network, uh, how we uh, agencies deliver uh, intelligent transport system uh, projects, um, uh, aspects of multimodal operations, nothing as we've heard before, uh, that transport agencies are not on, only focusing now on the movement of private cars on roads, but looking at end-to-end -end journeys for customers. Um, so that we've got a project on this uh, multimodal journeys at the moment, from a more multimodal incident management point of view and, and, and further project in that real-time operation space. What we foresee uh, as the next steps um, is a focus uh, probably next financial year more on the planning uh, space of things. Uh, and we've got three uh, projects that we are currently shaping up with the uh, network task force uh, subject to board approval obviously uh, in may 22 we'll be launching this project uh, early in the in the new financial year um, these new projects will be expected to deliver traditional OSROADS outputs, as I explained earlier, as well as deliver web-ready content for integration into the future guide. So we'll be into that, that transition phase. Um, first of all, the project, uh, a project looking on, uh, at movement and place guidance. As we know, agencies have been putting a significant effort, especially New Zealand, uh, Victoria, New South Wales, all the other agencies are more at the, the early stage of that movement and place journey, but very much involved into this. Uh, what we're looking at is developing updated guidance into that, which really relate to uh, the current AGTM part four content um, and touching on a, on a number of other uh, dimensions there and making the connections with the network operations planning framework that is in the current part four. 
beyond that, we know that the agencies are uh, putting uh, significant investment in cycling infrastructure. The cycling in, uh, guidance within those roads is divided between the guide to traffic management, the guide to road design needs to be really uh, beefed up. Uh, it's probably two or three or four years old now, so uh, th there's definitely an appetite from the agencies and the industry to see uh, improved guidance in that space. Um, that is uh, an area that we hope to deliver, not only with the network task force, but with the road design task force next financial year. Uh, and third, uh, a more technical project, uh, taking on the, the three kind of dimensions that uh, Simon was explaining on his last slide, um, that is more into that technical guidance space, looking at for example, and that's the current one of the current areas we're looking at with the network task force, pedestrian treatments at signalized intersections. We know that's an area of, of challenge for mobility and safety. Um, so these are the next steps. These may not be uh, the only three projects that the network task force uh, deliver next financial year, but very much the key ones we are looking at at this point in time. So to conclude, uh, this strategic review formalizes the need for change, sets the direction forward for the network program and the network task force, and sets the key priorities to deliver the new guide format. This is a major and challenging change for those roads, as well as for its member agencies, noting also that many jurisdictional guides have linkages to the AGTM, uh, the, the Guide to Traffic Management. So the objective here is to improve the accessibility and adaptability of the old guidance while not negatively impacting the existing value of current guides. Uh, more detailed work like um, uh, will now take place to deliver on this vision progressively through current and future projects, as I explained, and wider Oswald's effort on our knowledge management solutions. Uh, and just before we move on to the Q&A session, I just wanted to take this opportunity today to thank all the uh, Network Task Force representatives and their colleagues on our technical reference groups, uh, as well as um, a, a very warm uh, uh, thank to uh, the whole project team that we've heard of today and, and, and those in the background that have uh, supported this strategic review and have done a very, very much a fantastic work uh, through this project. So on that, I hand over to you, um, uh, Andrew, to lead us through this Q&A session. Thank you. And um, Ekaterina, once you've got control back of the slides, if you can start on slide 24. Um, so we received quite a few questions coming through around sort of the environment in which the um, the new AgTOM needs to exist, and this slide probably provides the background that um, um, I think often the questions were asked a slide or two before this, and so you can see that ATAP, the Australian Transport Assessing and Planning Transport Assessment and Planning Guidelines are there as relevant to it. The Guide to Temporary Traffic Management, the Guide to Smart Motorways, the Guide to Road Safety, the Guide to Road Design. So there's an environment in which this new AgTOM exists um, that has an interaction with a lot of things. And I'll just pre-warn you, Will, that this question's coming for you. So the question actually is in a step beyond that, which is if we jump back to slide 23, Ekaterina, when we look at this ecosystem model then, and we look at something like safety and particularly safe systems principles, given that there is a guide to road safety, but safe system principles are very relevant also to the guide to traffic management and ACTOM, how do you factor into the ecosystem model those sort of shared priorities, shared processes, shared frameworks? So if you want to start with that question, Will. Uh, so, um, so the eco, or, or so 
to take it a step back and to I think uh, Adam used the the term a sea of information um, and really there is a lot of information there and so the the ecosystem is a much a conceptual framework to help um, not only people navigate the guide but also create the guides and so like a like an ocean um, certain um, there's a natural clustering of certain things so in terms of um, whether it be and I'll pick one on the screen resilience or safety there is going to be a clustering of a certain um, information or information source now that doesn't mean that um, that that can't be associated with another area and there can't be a cross-referenced in another area what we were trying to get to with the with the ecosystem or what we were promoting with the ecosystem is not heavy duplication of the same material across guides. And when you look at a lot of the guides at the moment, because they're very much a vertical um, structure or very much a linear structure, um, you get large slabs of text that talk about the same thing across all the guides. And so the idea was that um, there may be a certain, um, you know, guide that goes into a lot of detail, but then there's a, there's a cross-referencing to that guide rather than having to cross-reference the whole guide. And what the, what the ecosystem does is allow someone constructing a guide, so a writer of the guide, to also understand that, 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 um, that there's a clustering of information that they're attaching and that they don't need to um, address everything within that guide. So the safe system one, for example, would need to approach safe system principles um, and they don't need to you know, include an introduction to safe system principle within their guide. And that addresses the legibility and the ease of use around the people that just want to pick up a particular guide and you know find out the answer to a particular problem. But there's also the people that want to flow, you know, go for a linear process um, that they've been asked to do around T not around transport network operating plan, say system assessments or anything like that. So it was a big question, but it was quite a big answer as well. Yep. Uh, thanks, Will. The next question I'll um, put to Andrew Wall as sort of someone who's involved in standards in an agency as well as a, a key sponsor of, of the AgTOM. So when new concepts come through, such as the federal government developing national service level standards, performance metrics, what's your expectation as to how this guide, this future ecosystem-based guide responds compared to guidance within the jurisdiction? Um, how do you see that evolution occurring and how does that compare to, to previous editions of, um, of this type of guide? Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because um, we have you know, national standards which the states are contributing to um, and, and the challenge there is that each of the states have their, have their own, own views. Um, I think the guide um, needs will need to move into that space where it can provide some level of you know, commonality across across the state jurisdictions, particularly when um, we're introducing other elements into some of these national service standards. It's bringing elements of of place and and elements that are sometimes beyond just normal traffic engineering, and and this is where the, the, the I think the the new guide is going to be important in being able to set that, that context for the types of um, 
outcomes and standards that we want to deliver on a transport network moving beyond just it being road traffic and you know, how do you bring in um, public transport, cycling, walking, freight all together and be able to compare, uh, I suppose, performance across different modes as well. So something like national performance standards implies, you know, an integrated view of transport across different modes, but then how do you bring forward um, performance objectives for the individual modes? In the past, the guide has been very good from a road traffic and vehicular perspective. What needs to be added into the guide is, well, what does that look like for, for cycling, walking, public transport? What are the performance metrics that at the moment is only very light touch in the guide? Thanks, Andrew. Um, one of the uh, other guides that exists within the network program is the guide to smart motorways. Uh, and so, Richard, you touched on the idea that you want to start here but with implementation through a minimum viable or minimum lovable product. Um, does that mean in future then that something like the guide to smart motorways could be absorbed into Actom, or does it is it really a case of, of too early to know? Um... I think there's going to be a need for more discussion within within Osroads and the network task force to to determine that. But um, uh, because it's quite a it's quite a big decision to you know um, to merge guides or retire a guide or these sort of things. But uh, my view on this is that uh, yes, the AGSM content uh, needs, I believe, to be uh, integrated in the in the future guide. Um, why? Because the current Guide to Smart Motorways is um, was only issued in 2015 or 16, uh, top of my head. Uh, it, it has never been revised since then. Uh, we know from a previous review that it is um, of, of very limited use in the agencies. Uh, we see it through our statistics of uh, stats of downloads uh, within those roads. We know that that's one of the guys that is the least downloaded when ITS and smart motorways is one of the the most dynamic, uh, I'm going to say, disciplines that we have in the in our overall industry. So um, the current guide doesn't doesn't make justice to to the needs. Um, the current guide is is um, talks a lot about the current guide to smart motorways talks a lot about the the concepts and the traffic management aspect of smart motorways more than the technical guidance. So that aspect. ITS is, I'm going to say, the traditional ITS devices like smart motorways. They're tools. They're, they're traffic management tools or transport management tools, like like many others. Uh, I believe they need to be integrated into the other guides so that they they are considered as treatments at the same level as others, not independently. Um, beyond that, I still think that we need also very practical guidance on ITS. How do agencies and their uh, industry partners design? smart motorways, uh, install, test, operate, commission, and all of these very technical questions in ITS. So you see that's a little bit my ITS background before those roads. Um, these, the, we, we've got a number of projects uh, on the go at the moment that are to be delivering some of that practical content, as I explained. These may my preference personally would be that to see all of that content built up into the uh, the Osro's guide to traffic operation to transport operations and management 
get get rid of that traffic word. Um, so so that's 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 my answer. And just maybe building on the previous question also to say that that vision of ecosystem could be. It's not a decision for me to make, but could uh, all, over time uh, create a new form for the other guys, like the guy to road design and the guy to road safety. And really, from a practitioner point of view, I would say what what we hear is they don't the practitioners don't really care where the guy comes from if it's Richard's program or somebody else's program. They will after the knowledge, uh, and 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 there could be a model where all roads participate to developing that ocean or sea of of knowledge. Uh, through its internal structure, but in a bit more transparently for the practitioners down the track. So we could see all the guides uh, built in into that ecosystem down the track. So an ecosystem that would be growing. And that's why I like the word ecosystem. There's a bit of a biological uh, aspect to it where it can grow um, as need be. Um, quick one for Simon. We've got a, someone here who wants reassurance that um, with a rapidly changing ecosystem that if they need to refer back to a specific point in time for contractual reasons for legal reasons that that would be available to them i think you may have mentioned that but it might be handy just to provide that reassurance yeah so um that that came came out clearly that concern in the engagement um as we we, we were developing the concept and it was one of the key um key things we needed to consider with the ecosystem in terms of a potential drawback but the the view is that um, the content will be will be time stamped and pdf and maintained in that format and available to, to users so that there is that um, that record and that point in time where um, the practice is captured I, I wouldn't expect it to change too rapidly we, we've said that the content will be able to be updated more flexibly and more rapidly, but that doesn't mean that things will be changing on a weekly basis or anything like that. But um, yeah, importantly, there will be historical timestamp records um, that can be referred back to by practitioners to use in a sort of, uh, I guess, a legislative uh, framework if they need to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, might just, um, Sorry, yeah. Andrew, maybe just, just to add to that and just to reassure here, there's uh, all, Older versions of of Oswald's guides uh, are always available on the Oswald's website. There's an archive folder that you can find quite easily. So all previous versions of the of the, of the guides are always available there. So uh, we 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 appreciate that some agencies sometimes refer to to the Oswald's guides in a contractual manner. Uh, they always can access uh, all the versions in in that way. Okay. And I might put the final question to um, to Craig, and it sort of comes back, if you like, to the start where we said that this project was um, set out to do, in some senses, a big leap um, to take an AGTM into meeting new needs and you highlighted in your discussion customer journey management, end-to-end -end journeys as sort of some of the new concepts that, that aren't really dealt with substantially in current guidance. Um, so I suppose in, in the event that that our implementation plan doesn't progress so well as hoped. Um, what practically does that mean from an agency perspective in terms of, well, what does that, you know, where, where to from here for the agencies if we can't achieve this aim, Tom? Yeah, um, thanks, Andrew. Um, yep, absolutely. That I think from an agency perspective is the aspiration. Um, and I think is laid out on the screen below us here. It's really from that, strategic lens right through to that tactical operational lens and decision making about a point 
which is critically important. If the aspirations aren't met, met I'd suspect agencies will continue as they are. You know, we'll continue to fumble our way through with our own approach and, you know, jurisdictions will talk to jurisdictions and, um, you know, state agencies will talk to local government to find a way um, to achieve those particular outcomes. But wouldn't it be great if we were all pushing in the same direction, we were all referencing the same point. So I think it's really about if that's the aspiration we want to achieve, it's about all the stakeholders with industry, um, local government and jurisdictions pulling together to say the focus for all of us is customers, right? That, that's what we're here, that's who we're here to serve. Let's pull together to get that that great outcome. We can make we can have the conversations in the background, but if we've got a single point of reference, at least we're all pushing in the in the same direction. That's probably a roundabout sort of answer to your question, Andrew. No, no, that's okay. it's 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 useful to finish with a reminder of why we were here in the first place, um, because ultimately this is being done for a purpose. So, thank you very much all for your um, participation. Thank you very much to the audience for the, the questions that have come through, um, many of which we've been able to address. Uh, and I'll just hand back to Ekaterina to um, to close us out. Uh, thanks so much, Andrew, and thanks so much, everybody, for a uh, great presentation and very interesting Q&A. Uh, we have some questions left unanswered, and we will prepare a written response to all of them and uh, send them to everybody after the session. Uh, just a couple of final slides, as usual. Uh, our future webinar, you can see on, on the slide, we have five sessions coming up. Um, on the 23rd of November, we will talk about the Australian Road Assessment Program, or OSRA, uh, and its new direction under Austro's leadership. Uh, the session on the 2nd of November will focus on the uh, guidance on rationalizing road signs to divert overheight and dangerous goods vehicles from tunnels. Uh, on the 9th of December, uh, we will present a data provision framework that uh, can be used by road agencies to build capability in providing data to connected and automated vehicles. Uh, and the webinars on the 14th and the 16th of December will be the final sessions for this year. Uh, and we will talk about the results uh, of the investigation into the use of recycled plastics in Asheville. So for more information on all our sessions and to register, please visit our website. And you can also sign up to our monthly newsletter to receive um, alerts. Uh, and as usual, uh, once we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Uh, so please take a couple of minutes to uh, give us your feedback. It really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like uh, about the session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Once again, uh, the session today is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe um, and enjoy the rest of your day. We will see you next time. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Bye. Thank you.